So, any question? Yes. Yeah. Uh, me and Krishna had a little discussion here before. <clears throat> and uh, the thing is that generally it's said that it's not good for bhakti to have like a material, uh, like hoarding, to get things, to buy things, new things, new this, new that. And uh, then we got to start to discuss that could, could that like ripple into, into a bhakti context? Like, uh, you want to get a new kurta, maybe you have a ten, but you have a new one. Uh, another edition of book that is like uh, from first edition, then you have a second printing and you have a golden bath book. And like hoarding uh, books and you're hoarding things uh, just for the sake of hoarding. Uh, could that be like same mentality even if it's in a bhakti context and not so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Over collecting, I suppose that's a, yeah, that's a problem. Um, and um, it, it, it's kind of been sounds like kind of an eccentric um, neurosis that you're talking about. And it certainly could play itself out into devotional paraphernalia or or whatnot. Do you have a problem with that? No, but... uh, (laughs) Really, not that I think about... But then again, I was thinking about... Because people also have this, like, to get deities, for example even if they should they really get them and they, but they want to do this but they cannot hold the uh, yeah that's not good that is also a wanting but it's a, it, in a bhakti context but it's not good so it becomes another like thing to have to add on mm-hmm. yeah yeah that we should be very careful about that that's a big problem happens too often um, with regard to the deities especially because now they they, um, you know, sell the deities in the store so much, and and it didn't it used to be like that when nobody had their own deities, and now people just go buy them, and they don't have initiation, and they want them. They think, you know, it's like shopping or so. I want something, and I get it, and then well, I'm tired of it now, and, and then it becomes save apparat. So that's not good. So. I have to watch out for that. What else? Other question? Just a quick follow-up to that one. We have, in our life, the experience of having acquaintances who have given up the practice of bhakti, just given away the deities, and we've just wanted to, like, without worshipping them, we still have wanted to give them a home to... Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Well, that's... That's good. Yeah. You could end up with quite a closet full of deities, <laughs> unfortunately. And that just underscores the point why Prabhupada really, you know, they say ideally the householder had their own deity and so forth. Well, it takes a certain standard of householder to have that. When I first came to India for the very first time, we I, I was in Australia and... Um, 
So we were going to see Prabhupada in Mayapur, and we went from Australia to Madras. We landed in Madras in South India. And the devotee who was leading the the trip had been in Madras, and he knew some householder Brahmins there. They must have been in the Madhva Ramanuja Sampradaya, probably the Ramanuja Sampradaya, Vishnu Bhaktas. And um, so they put us up for a night, and then we went on to Calcutta in Mayapur the next day. And uh, so, you know, we were there sometime in the day and spent the night and so forth. And and, um, and it was a very nice household, and they were very pukka, you know, very, very much um, devoted. And I remember we sat down, and they offered us, you know, breakfast. And one of the devotees said, has this been offered? And then the guy, the householder, he laughed. He said, this whole house is offered. And I was thinking, yeah, <laughs> this whole house is offered. That's what it means. You know, that, that was the idea that the householder should have their own deity. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur speaks in one song, Grihete uh, Goloko Bhai. Um, I saw my house turn into Goloka Vrindavan. In other prayer, he says, Chajakulalad Vajrabhajaraj. I went out of my house and, and in my backyard I saw Radha and Krishna. And, uh, so, this kind of idea that's very laudable and desirable, and that's what we speak about when we say, Grihe Thako, Vane Thako, Sadahari Vole Thako. It doesn't matter if you're a householder or sannyasi. It's true, but. Um, it, the, the line says, doesn't matter if you're household or, or a sannyasi. That's true. It, but it, always chant the holy name. So if you're always chanting the holy name, it doesn't matter if you're a householder or a sannyasi. But, <laughs> but if the sannyasi is chanting and you're a householder and you're not, then you can't say there's no difference, something like that, or vice versa. So um, there's no restriction, and one can turn their house into vaikuntha, so to speak. But um, often that's not what happens, unfortunately. And and people do purchase deities from stores with uh, uh, not with a sense of what's really involved and the commitment and, and it's really the whole life's in- engagement properly understood. And so. Next thing you know, they've got deities, and next thing you know, they're not taking care of them. Next thing you know, because they're not taking care of them, the deities don't want to be with them. <laughs> and uh, they're going another course and giving the deities away and you're collecting them in your house. So um, it's, it's, it is a problem, and uh, it's a big problem to me because I'm collecting devotees from often from damaged faith in different situations, and they've got some deity in the house. and I got a closet full of deities too, so I've gotten from devotees. In some, some some cases confiscated by me, as uh, so I don't want to be responsible for their seva parad in their home. Hmm? So, but then again, to do it right, this is very wonderful, and it's wonderful to come to a household like that, and there's a deity, and it's being taken care of, and all the food is being offered, and and so forth. Uh, sannyasi will feel very much at home, a mendicant, in that kind of a situation. So, um, 
we need to educate the devotees. And then and they should get the Guru's permission for having a, uh, a deity in a house. It's not just a go shopping for deities or go shopping for beads. And uh, the thing you were talking about also is there. And I think I remember in Iskon when we were young and uh, people would get their beads from Prabhupada, but then, you know, after a while they think these weren't cool enough beads, they want to get bigger beads. And and that was the thing amongst brahmacharis, they wanted these big beads. I'd see guys get these beads, like the first beads, like this big round. And, and, you know, and, and it was a whole thing, you know. I, I saw that phenomenon um, with not just the beads, but all kind of things, where they just really get distracted from what bhakti's about. And they get into... And it's all in the context of devotional paraphernalia and, and deities and dhotis and and uh, and so on and so forth. And it's just it's, it's just the same phenomenon that you find in material existence playing itself out in the context of bhakti with all kind of devotional trappings and so on. So you need someone... Like I, I remember once... Um, at Audari, I was speaking with the devotees about a standard of dress for for monastics, and 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 what we would come up with, and, uh, and different um, ideas of how to uh, establish an order, so to speak, and what would be the standards. And, and so I, you know, I talked about it for a while and thought about it, and then I put it aside. And then this is one fellow; he, he's not there anymore. He's not with us, but he was there for a little while. And and I remember one day he said to me, "When are we going to get those outfits? You know, when are we going to get the when are we going to get the monk clothes? You know, yeah." And it was just the, his his question was just full of just had nothing to do with what the clothes were about or represented, but it was going to be cool to wear those clothes, and and people would think I'm you know I'm, I'm a monk kind of a thing. It was just very much distracted from what the idea, the ideal was about and gravitating towards the fringe and so forth. So I said, well, when you stop thinking about it, you know, maybe we'll, uh, maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> Something like that. So I've seen many instances where devotees get very distracted and preoccupied with very superficial issues of, I mean, it's just so how insidious material life is. Just like they say, materially speaking, person can get used to being in jail and be upset about getting let out because they've you know found a little way to be happy in, in their cell and it's comfortable and got a few friends in there and a few cigarette butts every now and then and and the nature is that we gravitate towards some kind of happiness and in the standard we get we become attached to it even in the face of a better standard um, sometimes we won't we won't we won't give it up. It's pathetic, and so it's it's so easy to become distracted. Even in, you know, here's this is an example. Even the context of spiritual paraphernalia and mission and uh, and so on. So we need good guidance that we can keep on track. We're like little ants that you know. Can go this way or that. You need to just keep and like this. Go this way. Go this way. Something like that. Very easy to get distracted. And in this that context, because you don't, it's hard to recognize it as well. Hmm. So it can go on 
longer and and then it, it ends up a big problem for some people they're actually cultivating I, I, in general I would say that this is, comes under the broader category of cultivating a weed rather than the devotional vine as it's thought of the vine is a is a plant that needs to hold on to something else and, and grow on it so just to hold on to our guru and the sadhus and, and grow and bear fruit ultimately of love of God but when we water the vine then as you know weeds can come too and so then we can be watering a weed in it and it may look like we're watering the plant so to be a little vigilant about that that's why changing sometimes is good changing things up and changing the service and moving the monk from here to there and, and so forth for household as well. I can't tell them to move <laughs> so easily, but um, it's an important uh, point, actually, and it, it, um, it, is a, it is a problem. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Generally speaking, uh, we say that in the spiritual world, the desire of the, the jiva, of the individual soul, is the same like the desire of Krishna. Jiva is a, a free, and is free, but her desire is the same as the Bhagavan desire. There was uh, an example when the, the cowboy boys yeah. wanted to enter the, the, the Agasura, uh, but Krishna rather wouldn't do it. Yeah. So it was suggest that uh, sometimes the jiva in this state doesn't have the same the desire like Krishna. Mm-hmm. Could you explain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, the idea is very dynamic. Hmm? Uh, the idea of in bhakti of having the same desire as God, being one in in desire with God. Um, the way it plays out is very beautiful in in the context of of Leela, and almost as if there are competing wills, competing desires. That's how it appears on the surface. But the reality for the devotee is, when we say his will is one with Krishna, what we mean is he or she only wants to please Krishna. He has no desire other than to please Krishna. He's completely absorbed in wanting to satisfy the transcendental senses of Krishna. And Krishna is absorbed in satisfying his senses also. And so there are many ways to do that. The, the Damodar Leela is a nice example also. Because there seems to be some conflict between Mother Yashoda and Krishna. Right? But Mother Yashoda only wants to please Krishna. She chose 
not to let the milk boil over. And that was special milk from special cows on special grass. Because Krishna was going out and stealing butter and yogurt from other houses. And so the ladies in the neighborhood were, were complaining about him, even though they loved what he was doing. Still they complained to Mother Yasoda. So Mother Yasoda tried to defend her son and and in public she dismissed their complaints. But when she went home, of course she complained to Nanda Maharaj that the neighbors are complaining that Krishna's going to their houses and stealing milk and butter and yogurt. And, and so you're the head of the cow herds, but uh, you're not producing sweet enough milk even to keep your own son at home. And so Nanda Maharaj went from the herd and picked out some special cows and put them on special grasses. And that milk was only for Krishna. And it was that milk that was boiling on the stove in the Damodar Leela. And Mother Yasoda was nursing Krishna. And the milk was about to overflow. So she had to make a choice either to serve the milk and put Krishna down or to not tender to and take care of the milk and to keep nursing Krishna. And she chose to put Krishna down and Krishna was upset hmm? and crying and he went out and broke the butter pot and gave, gave butter and yoga to the, to the monkeys and so forth. And Mother Yasoda tended to the, to the to boiling milk so that it didn't boil over. She made the choice of serving that which was dear to Krishna over serving Krishna. The milk was dear to Krishna. It was special milk from special cows and so forth. So, so you have this apparent opposition of wills hmm, and desires, but it's resolved in that all the desires of all the devotees is only to please Krishna. And while they have made, may have different desires, and the Leela Shakti is facilitating those different desires, um, that is all working together to make the Leela dynamic and variegated as it is, but one and singular at the same time. Hmm? The singularity is that all the varied expressions of desires and competing desires to serve Krishna and please his senses, competing with one another and even competing with Krishna, hmm? that variegatedness is, is all one at the same time because it's only for the pleasure of Krishna. And so this, this, this creates different possibilities. So like I say this morning, it created the opportunity for karunarasa, for Krishna to taste that. Hmm? When, the, when the cowherds wanted to enter in and, and he was concerned that, that they shouldn't enter in and so forth, into Agasura's mouth. Hmm? So in the context of their wanting to enter in, they wanted to please Krishna. They wanted to bring out. Uh, and they they wanted him to, to be to do something wonderful that uh, he would be known, forever, uh, as the wonderful person and capable person, that he is. For example, for protecting his devotees and so forth. So, 
So it's not that everybody just does exactly what Krishna wants and he makes up, you know, makes everybody do all these things that he wants and he's the only will. Jiva also has a will. Hmm? And the Sarup Shakti facilitates that will. Hmm? That will is expressed all in the context of the Sarup Shakti being the internal energy of Krishna that serves to facilitate all of his desires. Hmm? Setting the stage, making arrangements, and so forth. So it's a very dynamic idea of having um, being one in Krishna, one in desire with Krishna. Hmm? There can be many desires at the same time. Does that help? No, but everything is so dynamic as you but uh, this is the it's more along the point where the, the Gopas wanted to Krishna to manifest something special, something big. But if at the same time they wanted to see Krishna showing this. Seeing Krishna showing his uh, majesty and his power, and at the same time, if they wanted to to feel the pleasure, uh-huh. pleasure of uh, seeing Krishna doing this uh, pastime, the, the killing, and uh, and that this is because of the desire so to to which extent jiva uh, can uh, feel the pleasure of their uh, his point is that the, 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 the bodies can have independent desires uh, in, on Varaka Vrindavan, and this means that they want to fulfill their own desires, not Krishna desires, and it works somehow. Uh, well, they, 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 but they have no independent desire other than to please Krishna. But there's an appearance of having a difference. Just, just like I said, for example, they're in Sakyarasa, and then they have the sanchari of, of, of. Uh, uh, in this case, it was pride, sanchari bhav of pride. And in the context of the rasa, this pride is coming, and they're feeling. Just see our position. Uh, we're proud of the fact that we are take we, that we are sheltered by Krishna, and we're not afraid of this fellow. And so, on the basis of that Sanchari Bhav, they're entering into the into the uh, mouth of Agasura, and 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 then so Yoga Maya is faced with that situation and Krishna's concern, and then she makes a determination. Krishna is amazed by that. Uh, there's a, there's 
there's a competition. You can also say like this, there's a competition always between the devotees and Krishna. Hmm? Um, and whose will 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 win. Hmm? In this case, the devotees' will wins, but it's not that their will is somehow independent and not connected with pleasing Krishna. You have to see the whole affair. Again, they're in Sakirasa, then there's this secondary sentiment that comes. It's part of the that or augmenting that, and they're moved by that, and and so there's so so something happens in the leela, hmm? but it's all pleasing. There's no independent uh, selfish selfishness, but there's an appearance of that. Gopis appear to be selfish, but actually, if we look under the surface, we see they're completely selfless. They only want to please Krishna. They will accept the pleasure of doing that because it pleases him. Hmm? Radharani pushes herself forward and says, I'm going to serve him, no other gopi. Because she knows, I can serve him best in this instance. Hmm. So to be one in desire with Krishna means to be only have the desire to please Krishna. And that can be, that can be uh, manifest in many ways. Hmm? Krishna wants to please his devotee. Devotee wants to please Krishna. Who will win? Hmm, something like that. Yes. Yeah, I don't understand <coughs> how in the process of bhakti, uh, or watering the plant of bhakti, the weeds are growing. That is some contradiction. Right now. Because no, I'll tell you why. When we engage in bhakti, then all kinds of good things can happen. For example, if you engage in bhakti and you become a good devotee, then some other devotees may start to honor you. So that honor will come in the context of bhakti. Hmm? And people think, oh, he's a great devotee, and, and they want to honor him and praise him and so forth. Hmm? Um, and so it's possible that when the praise comes and the honor comes, the distinction comes, it's all coming in the context of bhakti. That's why it's coming. Hmm? But one may lose sight of the bhakti to an extent and start to taste the praise and to, and to live on that hmm? and in this way become distracted rather than to put the praise in place and understand that uh, by my guru's grace I'm, I'm making some progress, people are appreciating, it's all his credit and so forth. So, in the early stages, a devotee can become distracted by side effects, if you will, that come not from anywhere else. They come from the, from the fact that uh, you're engaged in bhakti. You get the distinction because of bhakti. So, that's why the example of watering the weed in the tree, the tree and the weed comes up at the same time. And that is what happens. You only desire to worship to, to the water of the plant, but somehow weeds come. How do they get there? You know, you don't know, but they, they grow. Yeah. Another question. 
Situation what? In jail, when somebody is. Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the question is, in Vedic times, did they, did they have prisons? Or, uh, or, or, what, what was the way? Krishna was born in a prison. How they punish? Krishna was born in a prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there you go. They had them. They've been around for a long time. Yeah. They've been prisons for a long time. Yeah. And sometimes in the scriptures we find three terms Jiva, Atma, and sometimes Sri Prabhupada describes as Jiva Jiva Do we have any difference between them? It's the same. Same. Although the only difference is the word Atma can be interpreted in different ways. Atma can be interpreted sometimes it, it, it is used and it will mean mind, it may mean body, or it may mean Atma itself. Hmm? Jiva means life. Hmm? So a living Atma. You can't say, you could say Atma and mean mind, you could say Atma and mean body, but you cannot say Jivatma and not mean the soul. So, that's one way in which there's some difference. What's your question further? Uh, my question was, because sometimes I heard some translation for Atma, that uh, Atma is something as we, as we uh, perceive ourselves. If we are perceiving ourselves as a body, that Atma can mean um, body. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, but, you know, but perceiving is not... Yeah, sometimes the word atma is used to refer to body, sometimes to mind. You are, you know, yourself is your body in some senses. Your mind is yourself in some senses, as much as atma means self. Hmm? But jivatma makes it clear that that's the atma you're talking about. Hmm? So that's a more that's a more popular word. Um, Amongst the the, uh, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, Jivatma is a more popular term than the term Atma, because hmm? it's perhaps that's why it's 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 clear and un, un, unambiguous, unambiguously speaking about well the Jivatma, <laughs> the self beyond body and mind, and also Jivatma is a popular term to use um, for distinguishing between. Paramatma, Paramatma, Jivatma. Hmm? They're both Atmas. So, in some places, some Atmas, Yayatma, uh, some preceded the Atma can mean the Supreme Self, too. Hmm? So, uh, at, the word Atma can be somewhat amb- amb- ambiguous. We qualify it, we take away the ambiguity by saying Paramatma, Jivatma. Yes? Um, you were talking about Saranagata earlier today, and, and you mentioned waking up early as one example of something that's beneficial for bhakti and as a person who likes to sleep late I've always wondered why it's more beneficial to practice in the morning what is, I know that Brahman Murta is considered an auspicious time but also the sun rises and sets at very different times in different parts of the world and during different parts of the year so uh, 
Well, I think there's a basic idea about waking up early and it's being auspicious. And, 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 and one, of course, is that in, in some respects we follow the life of Bhagwan, and he rises early, and so the devotees are there to, uh, in every waking moment, if you will, of his life in Leela to, to attend to him. They don't want to be asleep when God's awake. Hmm. <laughs> Something like that. Um, and so to tie your life to the life of the deity, hmm, he's got a schedule. The Leela is mapped out, so to speak, by great meditators. And it's also drawn, it's also drawn from the Bhagavatam, the day in the life of, of Krishna. The, the meditation on that lila and its different divisions it's all drawn from the Bhagavatam hmm? um, so this is revealed knowledge about a, a typical day in the life of God so they center themselves around the day in the life of God now that could you know that could mean getting up as late as six in the morning because Krishna gets up a couple of times <laughs> and in the lila of course the cowherds are still sleeping in until about six gopis are up at about you know, three thirty or so, and and uh, making sure that Krishna gets home before anybody finds out that he was out all night, and then he just just goes to sleep a little bit before you know the cowherds are waking him up, and it's time to go cowherding. So, had to milk the cows and take breakfast and and so on. So, um, um, Brigupad was mentioning a a, a book. From a couple of centuries past, about Sakurasa, and in the in the book there is a day in the life of a the cowherd, and the medita- dividing the day into eight parts, and it's done a little differently than you'll find for Madhurya Rasa. This is one of the distinguishing characteristics: the day in the life of the cowherd starts at six because they play pretty hard, you know, <laughs> all day long. So, uh, at any rate, to tie yourself to the life of the deity is part of the idea. The other idea, of course, is that um, the people are sleeping and you're getting up and starting your day and the world is asleep and you're awake and there's nothing to do but chant Hare Krishna <laughs> and think of Krishna. There's no distractions. The lights aren't on yet. The sun's not up. The cars haven't started yet. The shops haven't opened yet. Hmm? Unfortunately, the internet is on. <laughs> Right in your you know bedroom, and so uh, you got to unplug that too. But uh, that this is kind of the idea. There's nothing else, to, and you can imagine, especially in times gone by, that there's absolutely nothing to do, and you're up at that time. So there's no dis- there's no distractions. Your mind is with you wherever you go, so that can be a distraction. But there's no external distractions or less external attractions distractions and uh, others are asleep and you don't even have others so and if they're devotees they're supposed to be chanting too so something like that and you get ahead of, ahead of the day and and start your day on the right foot so to speak very practical what else yes <laughs> Once uh, someone said uh, in context of uh, this Jivatmatan, 
So you're saying because the, there may be many meanings, how can it be evidence? Well, if if one of the if one of the meaning one of the meanings supports the, what you say, then you have evidence. <laughs> um, uh, but just it's just like uh, Prabhupada gave the example of law books. So there may be a law. Hmm? Like there may be a verse that says this, um, but it, it may say many things at the same time when looked at in different circumstances. Hmm? And so that's why then the law continues and they write new laws and so forth. So the, the fact that the scripture is, is, is dynamic in its scope, I don't see and how that diminishes its um, its position as um, as evidence, hmm? and not only when we say evidence, what we also mean by that is that from the scripture there's ways of knowing things that you 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 cannot know with your head, with your mind, with your intelligence, hmm? and so it's it's a way of knowing. We say it's not just a way of knowing by way of I quote the verse, and this supports what I say, but as much as it, it tells us about things that, that we have to accept on faith, hmm? because we, we know that our intellect is limited, and so Scripture says it like this. So it must be, this must be, this is an instance in which I'm being asked to stop thinking and and, and and know in a way that I couldn't otherwise and proceed accordingly. Hmm? Tough, huh, to translate? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> At any rate, as I say, overall the answer to your question is the dynamic reality of the scripture that it's like, can be looked at from different angles and vision does not take away from the fact that it is a means of, of knowing that is more comprehensive than senses and reason. It can be used to support different ideas. The problem may be when those ideas are competing. But let us say, for example, the... Sri Sampradaya interprets a verse of the Bhagavatam in a particular way. And it's different than the way we interpret the Bhagavatam. So, the way we interpret it is not evidence 
for the Sri Vaishnavas. Mm-hmm. But it's evidence for a reality nonetheless and one that they're not acquainted with. For example, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. They don't interpret it in the way that we do. But neither do people in Vaikuntha know that there's such a place as Golok. Doesn't mean there's no place as Golok. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami argues in his second chapter that Krishna is the source of Narayan. And then he argues based on scripture and interpretation of scripture. And then he argues that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the same Krishna. And after he makes the argument, he says, but some people will think that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an avatar of Mahavishnu. He says, and they're not wrong. That's also, it could be seen like that. We don't think it's the whole picture. But that's the perspective from Vaikuntha. And so there are different worlds. Krishna's like a valuable jewel. There's many different facets. You may look at him from different sides. There, and there can be more than one correct answer. We want one correct answer. <laughs> And and one wrong answer. Now there's two two correct answers, three correct answers, four correct answers. Becomes problematic for us, for our conditioned mind, hmm? not for the liberated mind. That becomes liberating in itself. That there's more than one correct answer. What else? Yes. What what kind of rasa do cows? In Vrindavan Patna Krishna, is it Dasya? No, no. What kind of what kind of rasa do the cows in Vrindavan have? Dasya? No, Patsalya. They're giving their milk. Now you understand. As soon as I say it, you understand. They're giving their milk. Mm, they are like mothers. They're like mothers and like children at the same time. If you ever take care of cows, then you know they're like children, but they're like mothers too. <laughs> and mothers can be like children. That's also true. When they get older, right? teach your parents well. There's a song. Mm. Teach your parents well. Right? He knows it. But <laughs> what else? Yes. I got a question about something that actually happened to me a few weeks ago, and to be honest, I have an idea how to react to this situation. Because uh, actually, somebody who I work with and who was a friend of a family, who's the working, um, actually made for a family, for a business, and for us a lot of damage, and actually go behind our back and did actually pretend that it's me, a company, and, and I actually put it in invoices on the name. And to be honest, because I don't know what to do with this situation, I, I didn't write up or I tried to take on the distance from this situation. But I want to ask, what is actually the right thing to do if, if something like this happens? That we should react or we shouldn't react? Well, you need to react in some way. Um, the question is, 
to what extent. And I can't give you an answer for every instance, but um, should you call the police and or should you kind of do something less than that? I guess that's what your question is. Uh, it depends. Um, calling the police wouldn't be bad necessarily um, because that may be a way to make the point to someone like that that they need you know to 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 learn from hmm? and if you just uh do nothing because they're a devotee and they're not acting like a devotee that may not be the best thing for them but it's hard for me to answer how each case is, is individual and how well you know them i mean if you know the person really well a friend of the family they do something it is a difficult situation. Should I have him arrested? Should I have my son arrested? Sometimes, yes. And some, most of the times, probably no. But, <laughs> but there, there might be instances where that would be the best thing for them. So I'm sorry that you had to experience that. But life's full of those, those kind of surprises when people uh, act in ways that are very unexpected and, and unbecoming even family members, any devotees who are supposed to be setting such a good example in life, that's um, it's not good. Hmm. So, what did you do? Um, I actually didn't do for this day anything. This happened a few days before I come here. And, uh, I take on advice on the police, and I know that if I will go to the police, this person with this record will have a problem to find the work for us to well, I think you should probably talk to him and tell him, look, you know, this is a situation. I can go to the police, and it's going to be a real problem for you. And you're and just confront him and say, this is very unbecoming. My, You're not just stealing from me, but you're breaking my heart. And you're discouraging me in my spiritual prospect. I'm interested in being a devotee of Krishna, and you are a devotee of Krishna, and you're acting in this way. So you're committing a great violence to my soul and my material life as well. You're disrupting. And um, if you were anybody else, I would put you in jail. I've, I've put the brake on from doing that. But now, what is your response? You should confront them. Hmm? And if you don't get a good response, then call the police and, and, and have him, because he has to learn. Hopefully, a conversation like that, if you can have a conversation like that with the person, that will, that will change them. They will, they will see, oh, how, how much their actions are hurting others. Hmm? It's a very basic thing, you know. You, you want to take something from somebody, you have to think immediately. It's very simple, but what if they did that to you? Then it, we don't think about that, so we do things. So you have to. You have a good example, opportunity to show him. Look, what your action did for you is one thing. Look what it did for me. Hmm? So embarrass him in that way, and give him a chance for that. that the embarrassment may serve to rectify him, hmm? rather than stronger measures, but. If you can't reason with people, then 
even devotees, then there may be stronger measures may need to be taken for their own benefit to help them. Difficult situation. Yeah. What else? A dog's been barking all day long. Mm-hmm. It, does he need something to eat or what? Maybe he's just sad because he knows we're going to be leaving soon. <laughs> <laughs> At Madhavan, our dogs, they chant in a kirtan. At night, you ever hear it? It's, it's fairly wonderful. Chanting and chanting. Well, it's nice to be with you all, and and uh, all things and that end well. I guess. It's, what does it say? Sir? All's well that ends well. Hopefully, we're ending well, or better than when we started. And uh, I look forward to coming again next year and, and 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 hopefully you'll come and visit me in the United States or Costa Rica. We have nice facilities there, better than here. <laughs> and you can <laughs> you can come and visit and spend time with me. Or if you have something you, you need to talk about then you, you write to me and it might take some time for me to respond. I might respond right away, you never know, but it might take some time. Just be patient. Lots of people write to me. I try to answer every every message I get as, as well as I can. But I I care about all of you, and and uh, I'm happy to be part of helping you in your spiritual life. That helps me to have the opportunity to help others. That's good for me. So I'm blessed by your company. I thank you very much. Go with Premanandi. Adiós.